Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. Thanks for tuning in. And today I'm joined via the phone by a good friend of mine, Reverend James Sproul. Reverend James, how are you doing today? Well, I'm blessed today. The sun is shining. <laughs> I'm blessed too. And uh, Reverend James is joining us from uh, outside of Nashville, Tennessee. So I'm thankful for technology that allows us to be able to talk via the phone and be able to record uh, today's broadcast via the phone. Reverend James, I know we were talking a little bit yesterday. You mentioned uh, Romans 8.28, and I just want to start off by reading that scripture verse and then ask you uh, some of the thoughts that you had on that and some other thoughts kind of that led out of that scripture verse. So Romans 8.28 says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those whom he has called according to his plan. So, Reverend James, uh, what are your thoughts on that scripture verse and some of the thoughts the Lord has given you uh, relating to that verse? I recently uh, used that verse as a text in a message I brought. The first thing that I'd like to say is this is one of those verses like John 3.16 that most people know. And I've come to believe that it's really important to understand these verses in the context of which they were written. Uh, for instance, uh, an example of John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. Well, that's in the context of the chapter and a conversation Jesus has with Nicodemus. And I feel the same way about Romans eight twenty eight. Uh, All my life, Christian life, for years I've known that verse and looked to it and believed it and trusted it. But if you really look at what it's saying in the context, uh, it's more profound than we think. First of all, it says that all things work together for good. That all is all. That means it doesn't matter what the source is. If it's the enemy, if it's uh, disappointment, if it's hurt, whatever has happened to us, if we give it to the Lord, yield it to Him, He makes it work for us. And that's amazing. And you see this example in the Scriptures with Joseph, for instance, uh, who was given direction by God as a young man, and a lot of things happened to him. He was disappointed by his own family, sold into slavery, lied on, put in jail. But he eventually got to the place of the fulfillment of the promise of God for his life. And God used all of that to get him in the place where he wanted him, that he had promised. And if you go on through the scriptures, you look at the Apostle Paul, for instance. I'm sure there were moments in his life when he was in jail that we could have taunted him and said, Hey, Paul, where is this powerful God you preached about yesterday? You know, and, uh, but from our perspective, we see now that when he was in jail, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. Scriptures have touched thousands, millions of people down through the centuries. So God used his imprisonment to touch lives. 
And so when I say Romans 8.28 is a powerful promise to God's people, it really is, because it's saying that God can use anything. We don't have to worry about the source. In fact, I said to the congregation where I'm preaching right now as a, uh, as a fill-in preacher, I said to them, I think that probably one of the most profound thoughts I've ever had, and, and this is probably not going to sound right, is that God is a great composter. Now, if you're not a gardener, you may not know what that's about. But if you have a garden, uh, gardeners have learned to compost. And, and what that means is that you take all that old, rotten, stinky stuff, orange peelings, egg shells, all that stuff that you normally would just call garbage and throw away, you put it in a compost pile, and in time, it turns into fertilizer, and you grow more food. It becomes useful. And if you think about it, God is the greatest composter of all because he can take the times we were hurt, disappointed. I mean, all of us have our own story. Looking back, you think about the painful moments of rejection, of suffering, and to realize that God can use that to make us better people. In fact, uh, I've learned to take those moments as a moment of spiritual growth and listening, whether it's physical sickness or some other problems that we're in. I think it's really important, Grayson, to not just see it as a physical problem or an issue we're dealing with with other people, but to stop and say, Lord, what is there in this that you can teach me? What do I need to know that I've overlooked? You know, about six or seven weeks ago, I I had a period of sickness. I had a urinary tract infection. And for about a week, I just sat in a chair. I had no energy, no strength. And finally, one day I said, Lord, this is, I don't want this to be about sickness and recovery, but what have you got to say to me? You know, is there anything I can learn from from this event in my life? And I didn't hear an audible voice, but I felt like I heard him say, I want you to trust me more. Trust. Right. Trust. So I've been saying to my friends, in your sorrow, don't waste your sorrows. In your sickness, in your troubles, in your hurt, in your pain, open your life to God and allow him to use that to make you a better person and more Christ-like. Now, Romans eight twenty-eight in context. Think about this. What does the next verse say? It says, all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And the next verse says, those he foreknew, he predestined, be conformed to the image of Christ. Now, predestination is often misunderstood, but at least in this verse, what it's saying is that when we name the name of Christ and receive him into our life, What is predestined for our journey is Christ-likeness. That's predetermined. The Holy Spirit in our lives, he works off of heaven's agenda, not our agenda. And heaven's agenda for Grayson and James and Sue and John and Henry, heaven's agenda for our lives as a Christian is Christ-likeness. And so what Romans 8.28 is saying, and to me, this blesses me. He's saying, that don't worry about the source of where your heartaches, your troubles come from. It is predestined. I will use this to make you Christ-like. That's what's predetermined. 
and uh, that's not an option, you know. Becoming a Christian is not just about going to worship or reading your Bible. Becoming a Christian is about the journey, the walk. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. That suggests a journey, a walk. And in that journey, God is saying, whatever happens to you, son, daughter, don't worry about it. If you just love me, you're fulfilling my purpose. I'll work it into the fabric of your life. I'll compost it, spiritually compost it in your soul, and it will help you become what? More Christ-like. And that's holiness. That's Christ-likeness is purity. That's what it's all about. So the earlier verses that precede Romans 8.28 is all about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If you read it, it says he intercedes for us. And uh, so... Uh, I think it's really important not just to get the message of the verse, but to get the context so that the message is really, to me, a lot more profound, and it's just amazing. Yeah, Reverend James, as you were talking, I was thinking about how when I read Scripture, it's very important to me to know who's writing this particular Scripture, who are they writing to, and uh, just to kind of understand the context of the scripture, because like you said, context is very important. Also, as you were talking about different trials that we face in life and different, you know, you were talking about having health struggle um, and you were asking the Lord, what am I supposed to learn from this? That's also a good perspective, too, because God has the big picture, the full picture. We don't know why he allows us to go through certain things, at least Usually not while they're happening. Later on, we might realize how he used that, but we just need to trust him. That word trust that you mentioned really stuck out to me because the Lord is really speaking that word to me a lot recently. Trust God, trust God, trust God. And one of the scriptures that came to my mind when you were talking is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths smooth. Now that doesn't mean we won't have trials, but it means that he'll be with us and help us to get through those trials and those hard times. That is so true. In fact, those two verses are two of my, what I call life verses that are all the scriptures important, but I have what I call life verses that have become very, very important to me. I think I have seen the importance of trust uh, lately like I've never seen it before. You know, for those of us who've been Christians for a long time, we often think of the things that hurt God, the sins, you know, alcoholism, drug addiction, on and on it goes. Those things that we're not interested in, we don't do. And we fail to see what we do to the heart of God when we don't trust Him. We don't even see the lack of trust as a sin. But if you look at Israel as a nation and their lack of trusting God to receive the promised land, to possess the promised land, trust is a big issue. I recently did a teaching on trust, and you'll find the word trust in the book of Psalms at least 50 times in the importance of trusting God. This is what helps me realize how important trust is to God. Suppose Suppose you got a phone call from someone, and they said to you, Grayson, I was talking with James Spruill, and he said to me he didn't trust you at all. Or if I got a phone call, and somebody said I was talking 
with Grayson, and he told me he didn't trust you, James. Well, that's a dagger in our hearts. And it helps you understand Jesus when he looked over Jerusalem and said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you as a hen gathers her brood? In other words, they didn't trust him. They didn't trust him. They didn't put their trust in him. And so I've had recently, like never before, to ask God to forgive me for the like of trust. And that's so important with what's going on in our country right now and in the world right now. All of the political uncertainty, the financial uncertainty, COVID that the whole world is facing, the fear that's just rampant among people. And what's the answer? Trust. And if you think about it, trust is an expression of faith. In other words, if I have faith, that faith, real faith, produces trust because I have faith in it. It goes back to that old worn-out story that I've heard for years about faith. A guy uh, can push a wheelbarrow across a cable stretch between two high points, you know, and he's done it over and over again and never failed. And so he asked people, the audience, how many of you believe I can push this wheelbarrow across this tightrope? And they all put their hands up. And then he says, if you believe it, Who's willing to get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> Getting in the wheelbarrow is trusting what you believe. Right. Uh, my prayer is for all of my Christian brothers and sisters and others that, first of all, we will ask the Lord to forgive us for a lack of trust. And I've done that, and I still do it. And that we will seek to trust Him more in these days than we've ever trusted Him before, that uh, He will get us through. If he allows us to go through a storm, he will get us through the storm. Yeah, Reverend James, as you were talking, uh, you were talking about the wheelbarrow, and I was thinking, yeah, you know, we can talk the talk, but until we walk the walk and prove that we trust him and prove that we're relying on him and not our own strength, you know, it's one thing to say we trust him. It's another thing to actually trust him. And also, as you were talking about the composting idea, kind of the gardening idea where, you know, the scraps and all the unnecessary stuff in some people's eyes are used, you know, to make fertilizer. So God can take the things that may seem messy in our lives and he can make a message out of it or turn it into a miracle. So he uses, like you said, all things in Romans eight twenty eight. He causes all things to work to the good of those who trust him. And it is great to know as Christians that if we trust in Him, not because of anything that we do, but if we trust in Him, then we are promised eternity in heaven one day with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So that's great news, great hope. It really is, and it's real easy right now to lose our focus on the promises of God, and they uh, invoke trust if you read his promises and receive them into the soil of your spiritual soul, uh, it makes you want to trust. But right now, the world is so in our face, it's so loud, it's it's so available, all that the enemy is doing. If we focus more on what the enemy is doing, what Satan is up to, the destruction, the death, if our focus is more on those things than it is on the promises of God, we will live discouraged and defeated. Uh, and so the thing that I would say to all of us, and it's it's a struggle for all of us anymore, is keep your focus 
on Jesus. I think it's in Hebrews 12. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And I have just really backed off on how much news I watch. And, you know, the enemy is so loud right now and in our face with negative information. But Jesus came to give us peace. He said, my peace I give unto you. I've said in the last year or so more than once, Jesus, you said you would give me peace, and I'm taking your peace. I want to live in your peace, the peace of God that you can't even understand, the peace in the midst of a storm, the peace in the midst of COVID everywhere. You mean we can have peace? Yes, yes. Reverend James, there were a couple of scriptures that you posted recently that really stuck out to me that I want to read and then ask you about uh Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, Grass dries up and flowers wither, but our God's word will last forever. That's a great hope. That's a great peace. That's a great promise. And you also have a picture of a flower. You know, in nature, we can worship even through nature. That's true. I've been thinking uh, lately uh, about this, that the big issue in all of our lives and it has been since the Garden of Eden, through every century, to all people. And you know what that issue is? It is, has God said? That's what the enemy said to Adam and Eve. Has God really said that? And all down through the centuries, when the children of Israel were had marched through the wilderness, and they were just across the Jordan, just a river away from the promised land, and they sent out spies. And the spies came back, and they reported on what they saw for the most part. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, we can take the land. We can possess the land. And why? Because if you read the Scripture, God had said, the land that I have given you, he had given it to them. And he's given us a lot as Christians. He's given us authority. He's given us his peace. He's given us his joy. But we have to possess it by faith. And and so the battle still rages uh, in this generation. Has God really said? Has he really promised us life after death? Has he really said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? I just just read from John in in, uh, the 11th chapter where Jesus raised Lazarus, and and he was talking with Martha, and Jesus says, he who believes in me will never die. And I wrote a little blog recently about the fact that Christians don't really die. They just leave. We don't die. We don't ever die. We leave. We leave this old body to go be with the Lord. And uh, I think for all of us, we are all still dealing in a very practical, everyday way has God really said that all things will work together for good if I love him? Has he really said that? Has God really said that he will take care of me? Has God really said that he will never leave me nor forsake me? Yes, yes. But it is the number one issue that the world faces, as God said, which means is, is God's word true? Is the Bible really God's word? Is it reliable? And we know that it is. Yeah, His Word is reliable and true, and we can put our faith in it. Because, like the Bible says, He offers us peace, not the type of the peace that the world offers, but His peace um, lasts forever. Like you said, this place we live in now is our earthly home, but we have a true home, and that's in heaven with the Father. And uh, 
I know I saw another picture you had posted recently of two sticks crossing each other and it looked like a cross and you said it is finished. I know you like to take picture of birds and uh, just things in nature can remind us and even the sun and the moon can remind us that he separated the day from the night. That was the other scripture verse you posted. Genesis chapter 1 verses 14. Then God said, let there be light lights in the sky to separate the day from the night. They will be signs and will mark religious festivals, days, and years. And so even the sky, even the sun and the moon are testimonies to us of how great our God is and how powerful he is. Uh, exactly. Nature is God's creation. It's uh, been corrupted and has suffered because of the fall uh, and man's sin just like man has suffered because of the fall. But uh, there is a scripture that I want to share with you in Romans uh, that is so, so important. It, it says, the whole earth groans and travails looking forward to its redemption, which is pretty incredible. If you think about it, the Lord created the earth. It's his creation. It's his. And sin and evil entered in. And the earth has never, creation has never got to live under the dominion of its creator. But uh, that passage in Romans is so clear to me that the whole earth groans and travails looking forward to its redemption. That, you know, it's not just a matter of us dying and going to heaven. I believe the Lord is going to uh, rule and reign over this earth for a thousand years. If you read Revelation, I don't know how else to interpret it. And so I see that God speaks, at least he speaks to me through nature. I have to tell you this, Grayson, we all are different and unique creation. And some people worship God with their music, their, their mouth. They have musical ability and they love music. And uh, so that they worship God that way. And I do. I'm not musical. But I've learned to worship God with my eye. And if you think about it, we need to worship God with all of our senses. I think of that verse that says, Oh, taste and see that God is good. Right. And for me, since I'm not very musical, my eyes have been tools of worship. You know, I, I go out, and I think that was true in the Old Testament. David, of course, he was musical, but he said, the heavens declare the glory of God. So that's worshiping God with your eyes because you, you, you see. And for me, my photography is, is an act of worship. I'm out there looking and seeing and thanking God. My wife and I have three cats, and one of them likes to come and sleep by me and uh, I often pet him and I tell Jesus you made this beautiful animal this is your creation you know an animal and uh, I think if we limit our worship to an hour in a building we don't get worship at all right. I think worship needs to become a way of life for all of us you know in wherever we are uh, uh, all the time uh, after worship. I started several years ago saying to the Lord in response to the scripture that says, they that worship God must worship him in spirit and truth. And I started searching and saying, Lord, teach me about worship. What does that mean to worship you in spirit and truth? And one of the discouraging things that's happened in 
more recent years in my generation is a struggle over music uh, and worship. Some people, they have to have the right kind of music to worship. And it's really sad because uh, if our worship is music dependent, then they may not play our song. Uh, And that's a sad thing. Music is a wonderful instrument of worship. But real worship is never about a musical instrument. It's about the attitude of the heart. It's about the spirit. And I wish people in our churches could get that, you know. Well, we've covered the gamut today, haven't we? (laughs) Yeah, that's great, Reverend James. Certainly, we want to keep our eye on him and not focused on those other things. We can worship in many different ways. Like you said, we can worship in singing. We can worship with our eyes. We can certainly worship in our actions. We talked about that with a wheelbarrow. Um, It's one thing to say we trust him, but it's another thing to go out on a limb and trust him when he's asking us to do something that might seem out of our comfort zone. Just in the last couple minutes we have here, one other thing I wanted to ask you, something we talked about yesterday was you mentioned there's two kinds of people, people that are in the kingdom and people that are out of the kingdom, basically those that are saved and those that haven't yet been saved. And it's also part of our call, and I believe as Christians, is to witness to those outside the kingdom and uh, help draw them to the kingdom. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that, trying to look at Christianity from the world's perspective. And no wonder people are so confused. We have all these different denominations, and I'm not saying that's all bad. I'm just saying, you know, we've got so many different interpretations of end-time events. And, and so you can just imagine that people outside the church would look and say, you know, Baptist, Nazarene, Presbyterian, whatever. And, and it's just real confusing. And in, the, in this last year, I was thinking one day that from God's perspective, there's only two groups of people on the face of the earth. And my belief is there's only one race, the human race. So there's only two groups of people from God's perspective, those in the kingdom and those out of the kingdom. That's it. The ins and the outs. That's all that will matter. It's just like there's only two destinations when we leave here. One was prepared for Satan and his fallen angels, colleagues. The other's prepared for God's people who love him. Two destinations, two groups of people, the ins and the outs. And it's the job of us ins to try to get the outs in. Right, right. (laughs) And to me, that's just put it in a simple way. And another thing that I want to say to people who might be listening, you know, many of us are brought up in different backgrounds and we have different influences on our life. And I was called, brought up to kind of think that if you're going to be a Christian, you kind of got to earn it. You know, you earn your way by doing good and being good and it's working, it works and works. That's important, living right and reflecting Christ's nature and character. But I just got tormented uh, for a while, well, for years about that. No matter what I did, it seemed like it's never enough. I never felt good enough. You know, I just couldn't get it in my mind. For by grace you save through faith. It's a gift of God, as anyone should boast. Finally, I remember, and it shocked some people. I remember saying one day, and, and I told some friends about this. I said to Jesus, I said, Jesus, if I go to hell, you will have to say there's one person in hell that loves me. And what that did for me was it helped me see that the big issue with the Lord is do we love him? We're all human. We all err. We all make mistakes. We're imperfect. We have bad days. But the bottom line is 
do we love him? And there will never be, there will never be one person in hell who loves Jesus. There will be people in hell that read the Bible, even memorized some of it. There will be people in hell that go to church. There will be people in hell that do some good deeds. be people in hell that were baptized. But there will not be one person in hell who loves Jesus. Now, is there biblical evidence of this? Yes. Think about it. Peter. Peter really blew it. Disappointed the Lord. I mean, we'd put him out today. And Jesus is resurrected, and Peter's gone back to his old profession fishing, and he meets Jesus on the seashore, and Jesus encounters him. And what does Jesus ask him? Do you love me? He asks him the most important question, do you love me? Do you love me? He asks him three times, do you love me? And I just want to say to somebody listening that you've never felt like you're good enough. Like all of us, you've blown it at times. But the big issue is, do you love Jesus? Do you love him? And do you want to love him even more? And I know this. I know this, they said. I love Jesus. And you can't go to hell loving Jesus. I love Jesus, too. Amen, Reverend James Sproul. Thank you for that word, and uh, thank you uh, for that encouragement. I thank you for joining me today uh, for Hope Talks. It's been great to have you. Well, it's been nice to be with you, brother. And my prayer is, oh, Lord, help someone who is discouraged and defeated find hope in what we've talked about today. I love you, man, and I appreciate what you're doing. And God bless everyone who listens to this. Amen, Brother James. I have no doubt that those that listen today uh, will find hope from what we talked about. Uh, Thanks for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as you've heard me talk with Reverend James Sproul, that it has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates in the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.